Hello, wise woman. I'm your host, Wanga Hanyani, and welcome to the Woman Wellness Podcast, a natural health resource for the woman who wants to take control of her life, heal herself, and live her best life. We'll talk about health, hormones, sexuality, fertility, skin, diet, lifestyle, and everything else in between to help you thrive as a modern-day woman with ancient wisdom. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome back to episode two. I hope you had a good week. I hope you're staying safe. I hope all is well with you and you're looking after your immune system because as women, our immune system is closely linked to our hormones. And so if you start to look after your hormones, your immune system will definitely keep up. Self-isolating as much as you can, where you can. I have been self-isolating as well. I had a little bit of a scare. <laughs> um, I went into the city just for context. I stay way outside the city, but I went into the city about now would be a week ago, 10 days ago. And I started feeling flu-like about two nights ago. So I thought, oh dear. But I'm okay. It was just allergies. Um, we were moving stuff around in my office. It's carpeted and I caught some dust. So I'm very, very, very intolerant to dust. So with moving all the furniture around, I caught a, few, um, I caught a bit of a cold in terms of sneezing and puffy eyes and stuff. So I'm okay. No COVID-19. Thank God for that. Right. So I hope that you stay safe and be responsible. If you really do feel like you're not okay, firstly, don't go out to public places just in case there are, more, there are people who are more susceptible to infections, just to look after them as well, you know, the elderly and children. So let's all be responsible. Um, yeah. All right. So today we're talking about tracking your fertility. This is the masterclass. This is the one you don't want to miss. This is the one that you want to listen all throughout because this is are all the tools that you'll need to track your fertility by yourself at home. This is how you'll get to know your body and how you get to understand how your cycle works and how you can maximize your fertility. I've been looking forward to this episode and I hope you enjoy it. Please rate and review this episode at the end of it. I think this one is going to be immensely helpful to a lot of women. So when you rate and review, more women get to see it. Cycle basics. Before we start talking about how to track your fertility, it's important to actually know how the cycle works. I know probably a lot of you already know how your cycle works or how many days your cycle is, but it's important to know the phases so that you can time sex, whether you're trying to get pregnant or whether you're trying to plan your family naturally without using medications or birth control or anything of that nature. And also, if I'm working one-on-one -on -one with you, these are things that I'll need to know because it tells me of underlying conditions. If you have a short luteal phase, that will tell me something about your fertility. If you have a low body temperature throughout or if you have a low body temperature when you're supposed to be having a high body temperature, these are things that I need to know. And any any doctor health practitioner who's 
well-versed in this also would want to know before introducing any other measures or drugs or anything like that. This is very basic but very important information. So let's first go through your cycle and what your cycle looks like. The example that I'll be giving here is based on a 28-day cycle because that is considered the average or the normal cycle. But as long as you get a regular period, and what I mean regular is that it comes, whether it comes every 25 days, whether it comes every 32 days, if it comes every 35 days, that is your regular right? So I want you to learn the principles of these cycle phases and then apply it to your cycle. And that way you'll be able to tell when you ovulate, when you have your luteinizing hormone surge, when you, when all these things, you'll be able to learn when it happens for you. And that's how we track your fertility as an individual. So even though I'll be giving examples and talking about day 10 and day 14 or day 28, whatever it is, I want you to just get the principle, and then track your day when this happens. So in a cycle, there are three main phases. Even these can be broken down, but for the sake of simplicity, there are three main phases. There's your follicular phase, your ovulatory phase, and your luteal phase. Your follicular phase is the first half of your period, from the time you have your period until ovulation time. Day one of your cycle is the day you see blood. That is day one. In your follicular phase, estrogen is the dominant hormone. So on day one, you start your menses. And then at about day four, your hypothalamus, which is in your brain, sends a message to the pituitary gland, which is also in your brain, that, hey, uh, we need to start maturing follicles ready for ovulation. So please release FSH, follicle-stimulating hormone, to trigger the ovaries to start maturing follicles. What that communication is, it's happening along the HPO axis, hypothalamus, pituitary, ovaries axis. And so FSH is triggered by the pituitary and it stimulates the ovaries to start maturing follicles. Each of these follicles that are, that are now being matured, each follicle contains estrogen. And how much estrogen is produced will depend on how early or how late you ovulate. The follicular phase can range from 10 days to 20 days. This is all dependent on you. This is why it's important for you to track your personal days. In a normal 28-day cycle, day 14 is when you ovulate. So from around day 10, you're coming to the end of your follicular phase and now it's interlapping with your ovulatory phase. Ovulation in a 28-day cycle occurs on day 14. At about day 10, the follicular estrogen, which is the estrogen that's in your follicles that are getting ready for ovulation, it starts to peak. And as estrogen rises, FSH starts to reduce because the estrogen says, hey, we don't need any more follicle-stimulating hormone. We're taking it from here. We're about to ovulate, so we don't need you anymore. And FSH starts to go down, starts to decrease. And estrogen starts to increase. It's a surge of estrogen to help the process of ovulation. Around day 12 or 13, that estrogen reaches its peak the hypothalamus again starts speaking to the pituitary 
to send a message to the ovaries to release luteinizing hormones. So the pituitary releases a luteinizing hormone, LH, and LH is what triggers ovulation. This process could be between 10 to 20 days. This depends on your cycle. In a 28-day cycle, this will happen at day 14. At day 13, LH surges. Day 14, you ovulate. The process between luteinizing hormone being released and ovulation occurring happens within 24 hours. And the, the process between ovulation and progesterone being released is also 24 hours. This is why you're only fertile in a month for about three days, three to five, five days because there's sperm living in you if you timed sex well. Sperm living in you sounds kind of weird, but because there's already sperm that should be waiting to fertilize the egg once it's released. This is now your transition into the luteal phase. Luteal phase is from ovulation until your next would-be period. So period or would-be period if you have conceived, which is about 14 days as well in a 28-day cycle. Progesterone is the dominant hormone in this cycle. And progesterone is the mother maker. This is what will determine whether you go into your next period or whether you get pregnant. So once it's done releasing that first surge, it kicks off FSH and LH and says, thanks guys, we don't need any more luteinizing hormone to ovulate. We don't need any more follicles. We have what we need. Now I need to prepare the body for carrying life by raising your temperature, thickening cervical mucus. It forms a mucus plug so that normal sperm can even get to this area as um, the, the, the egg is being fertilized and moved to the endometrium. And then it starts to bring in more nutrients to the endometrium to start feeding potential life. It also closes the cervix so that normal sperm can go that far. It has everything it needs. It has an egg, it has a sperm, it has the endometrium, which is nice, thick, and ready. Everything is good to go. The corpus luteum is formed from a collapsed follicle once the egg has been released, and that corpus luteum is what produces the progesterone at that time in the cycle. So the corpus luteum is essential because this is your main source of progesterone in your luteal phase. If you have an impaired corpus luteum, if it's not producing enough progesterone, this will show in this luteal phase. So we said ovulation and fertilization must happen between 24 hours because sperm can survive for about three days, about five days in a healthy woman who has a good pH. This is where diet comes into play. This is where exercise comes into play. This is where uh, managing stress comes to play because the healthier you are, the more habitable your environment is and the longer sperm can sustain itself. An egg only survives for 24 hours. Well-timed sex when you're ovulating is the key to conceiving. Never keep a lady waiting. If the egg is released and there's no sperm, that's it. The ship is sailed. She's like, well, there was no gentleman here. I'm gone. Bye-bye. Right? But what should happen is that the moment you see that you're about to ovulate, you should start having sex so that there's already sperm there waiting for it. 
the gentleman must be waiting for the lady. The lady must never wait for the gentleman. So next time your partner says, hurry up with your makeup and getting dressed, tell him that even on a biological level, the gentleman always waits for the lady. Biology has confirmed that as women, we must take our time to be primed and prepped and men must just wait for us, right? There we go. Okay, so once the egg is released and the, it's met with sperm in the fallopian tube and it's fertilized, then that process from fertilization to implantation takes about seven days. This is the journey of the fertilized egg as it's now developing into cells and to an embryo. It's, being tra it's traveling down your fallopian tube into your endometrium, which has been prepared by progesterone, getting ready for implantation. The uterus does one of the most amazing things that I'm still in awe of. And I, God is amazing. I mean, when, when, when you, we look at our bodies and the things that it can do, I am just humbled by the creator of this body. You know, um, it blows my mind every time. So what happens is a process called penocytosis. And as the egg reaches the endometrium, your uterus actually reduces the moisture within itself so that it can press together back and front. And that pressing of back and front of the uterus due to a reduction in moisture is what helps the implantation of the egg. When you do a P-test and you get a positive on that sign, what you see there is HCG, human chorionic gonadotropin. And that is the message the baby sends you like, hi, mommy, I'm sitting nicely. I'm okay. I made it safely. That's what it is. That HCG, that pregnancy, that positive pregnancy test that you see and that I hope you get to see is baby saying, I'm sitting nicely in the endometrium. I'm getting comfortable. Isn't that amazing? Isn't our body amazing? Once this happened, progesterone doesn't drop. It continues elevating because progesterone, like I said, is the mother maker. And this is what keeps and sustains the pregnancy. If you have experienced recurrent first trimester miscarriages, one of the main things that must be tested on you is your progesterone, especially in your luteal phase. We need to see what happens during your luteal phase and also what happens at implantation. Maybe you are actually getting pregnant, but implantation is not occurring because of too little progesterone. Or maybe your luteal phase is too short that implantation couldn't actually take place. So the, the methods that I'm about to teach you, these are will help you see how long your luteal phase is. These will help you track your progesterone by just looking at the trends that happen within your body. And that way you can even help your doctor. If you go and see your doctor, help them find what may be the root cause of your fertility issues. If fertilization doesn't take place or pregnancy doesn't take place, then we're back to square one and your period will come. Now we have the basics of the cycle. You have the follicular phase, ovulation, and luteal phase. And you have a basic understanding of what happens in each phase and what to look out for. How to tell when you're ovulating. This will be different for a lot of women depending on your hormones, depending on your period, how it acts, and depending on how everything else is going on in your life. If there's stress, if there's 
medications that you're taking, those things will affect your libido and your ovulation. Some of the telltale signs that you are ovulating is your libido. So you should feel a change of in your libido. You should actually be looking for your partner at some point within your menstrual cycle. If you don't feel anything at any point in time in your menstrual cycle, that's something that you want to investigate because biologically you should be seeking them out at a particular time in your cycle and that's mid-cycle. If you have a 28-day cycle and that might be a bit earlier, a bit later, depending on your cycle. You should feel your body temperature increase. You literally are on heat. <laughs> you literally are on heat. You should feel your body temperature increase. This again happens around mid-cycle. Mid, uh, mid then you should start to feel everything kind of perk up. You know, you just kind of feel like, oh, I feel good. Everything's, everything feels nice and plump and tight and, you know, there's, because there's a lot of blood flow going on at that time. So your whole body, you should just kind of feel, um, you know, like you might feel good about yourself every day, but this is a time where you feel like I am the business. This is when you feel like I, you know, I am the business. <laughs> and something you may also notice is a change in your, in your pelvic area. You may feel a certain shift, whether it's um, some women say they feel bulky not bulky in an uncomfortable way, but they feel like, you know, the the pelvic area just, just kind of had a little shift. So some women are very sensitive and they can feel that. Um, but the other ones are something that you should feel. And if you miss those, especially the heat and the libido, that's something that I would want to investigate and see what it is that's going on. Now we get to the tracking methods. The methods that I'm about to show you need very little equipment. This is about you reconnecting with your body and just getting intimate with your body. We're going to look at we're going to look at four main methods. That's the moon cycle, your cycle days, cervical mucus, cervical position and your basal body temperature. These five, these are the winners. These are the ones that will tell you exactly when you are ovulating so that you can do everything you need to do to prepare your body and conceive. So first one, the moon cycle method is basing your menstrual cycle on the moon cycle. So red moon cycle is when you have your period at the full moon and you ovulate at the new moon. White moon is when you have your period at the new moon and you ovulate at the full moon. This is the cycle that is considered the most common. It is also considered the most fertile cycle. This is not to say that red moon sisters cannot be fertile or cannot get pregnant. It really is tied into light exposure. Light plays a major role in our fertility and so women who are ovulating at the full moon have more light exposure during ovulation. And that is why fertility might be higher in those women than women who have a red moon cycle. Not to say that you're any less. Those, there are things that you can do to expose yourself more to light or even sync your cycle 
if you find that you fall somewhere in between red and white. A cool thing is that farmers actually plant according to the moon cycles. They actually plant seeds at the full moon because that is when germination is most likely to happen. Again, because there's more light that occurs at that time, there's more light from the full moon. And so it's, it, it's easier for the seeds to germinate. So with this red moon and white moon cycle, what's cool about this is that it actually, according to ancestral knowledge, that it actually speaks into what you are as a person and your giftings. So the red moon women, the red moon goddesses, tend to be healers, leaders, activists, creatives. And so these are people who basically project their energy outwards, while white moon goddesses are women who project inwards. So they're more reserved, they're quieter, they're more nurturing, they're more motherly. Their energy is turned inwards. Uh, I'll link one of the Instagram posts about the red moon and white moon cycle in the show notes. I'm a red moon goddess, so that was not a surprise. Now, how do you track your menstrual cycle with your, with the moon cycle is very easy. You just Google the dates of the new moon and the full moon and then just note when you had your period past three months or so. Then you'll be able to already tell. If you fall outside of both of these, that's fine. You don't have to follow these cycles. It's cool if you do, but you don't have to follow them. It's just a good way of gauging more or less where you are. I use this particularly to, for women who don't even have a, a period. So for example, right now I'm working with a client who has premature ovarian insufficiency. So she hasn't even had a period in a long time. So we don't know when she would be having a period, when she's when she would be ovulating. So I'm using the moon cycles to work on her period. If you have an irregular period, if you feel like you don't know when you ovulate, this is also a good one to use because you say, okay, well, I have had my period now. Two weeks later, three weeks later, four weeks later, if you see the next moon and you haven't had your period, then that's a good thing to note down because you say, okay, well, I had my period on one full moon, but I didn't get it the next moon. How long is my cycle then? So these are ways that you can track your cycle according to the moon because the moon is consistent. And if there's irregularity with you, you can base your, your cycle off of the consistency of the moon that it shows up every month. Another thing is your cycle can change from red to white or even stay in between. So this is why I say it's not necessary that you fall between, that you have either red or white. But then you can also influence your cycle. You can influence it to be more red moon or more white moon. It's entirely up to you. And this is things that you can do, like getting more lunar exposure, uh, rectifying your period problems if you've got period problems, and resetting or retuning your circadian rhythm, which is your sleep cycle. All these play a role in that. So just doing those three things, those are ways that you can help to fine-tune or try to sync your cycle with the moon cycle. Next one, and one of the most important ones, cervical mucus. 
this is one of the two most important indicators of your fertility. Your cervical mucus changes or should change throughout your cycle. You should see your cervical mucus change depending on whether you're ovulating or whether you have had implantation or whether you are coming out of your period. This should change. It should not remain the same. I will link another Instagram post for you where we talked about cervical mucus and the types of cervical mucus. So go and check out the Instagram post and it's got a nice infographic about the different types of cervical mucus that you can see and which one to look out for and which one to be concerned about. I will link it in the show notes. Now cervical mucus is vaginal discharge. It doesn't sound sexy. A lot of women freak out when they see it. It's normal. It should happen. This is what we need to see. If it's too much, if it's got an odor, that's something that you want to have a further look at. But vaginal discharge, this is normal. This should occur. I promise you it's not, it's not weird. It's not wrong. You ought to be wet. Not all the time, but you ought to be wet. Because if you're dry, then that is actually a cause for concern. So tracking your cervical mucus. Right after your period, your cervical mucus will be dry. Not not completely dry, but there's not going to be like a spot on your underwear or anything like that. It's just going to be normal, if I can say that. Around day 7 to day 10 in a 28-day cycle or for about 3 to 7 days after you stop bleeding, you should start to see a white or cream-colored discharge. It should be sticky, a bit spongy, rubbery, springy mucus. I know these are not technical terms, but it's the best way to describe them so you have an idea in your mind what you should be looking at. So in those days, you'll start to see white and creamy and sticky and spongy. <laughs> and that will advance to a creamy goop. And that goop is what you should see on your underwear, just a little goop that... <laughs> I like that. I actually like the word goop. Um, you'll start to see that on your underwear. It won't be, you won't be wet, but you'll definitely have, you should have that discharge come out. Just a little something on your underwear or in your pantaliner if you're wearing them. But I say stick to, stick to underwear, pantaliners, unless they're organic, because you don't want to be constantly wearing pantaliners that are imparting toxins to your vagina all the time. And so this is between three to seven days after you stop bleeding. Then at about day 11, so this essentially about three days before ovulation, that goop starts to thin out a little bit. It's not thick anymore. It starts to thin out a little bit, starts to get a little bit more watery. And essentially, this is when you should be getting wet. This is, this is a time when... You're preparing for ovulation, so you need to be, so your body's saying, hey, it's time to be wet. This is not a time to go and start drying out everything. You need to be wet here because that thinning out is actually the cervical mucus that is conducive for sperm to travel. When it's thick, when it's dry, sperm cannot easily travel. But this thinned out that comes at about day 11, about three days before you ovulate, this has got that beautiful structure within it, striations and channels that the sperm can travel through and also can be sustained through with all the nutrients and everything that it needs to stay in there for about three to five days. So it starts to thin out and 
the peak of your fertile cervical mucus should look like egg whites. Think about raw egg white. When you look at your cervical mucus, that is what it should look like. Raw egg white texture, that is the most fertile cervical mucus. That is the one that you want to look for and that is when you want to have sex. This you will see on your underwear as a wet patch. So the goop, it just looks like a droplet or something like that on your underwear. But the fertile cervical mucus will actually leave a wet patch on your underwear. When you start to see this, when you start to see it come from a goop and start thinning out, start having sex to get all those gentlemen in there and waiting for when the lady is ready. If you don't get an egg white texture, start having sex at your wettest because some women might not get the full egg white texture and that has to do with their hormones. Start having sex when it's the wettest. Now, how to check your cervical mucus? Always use clean hands. Not wash with soap, just some good old water. Clean your hands. First and foremost, when you're at your wettest, this is something, like I said, you should see it on your underwear. If you have to go looking for your cervical mucus, that already should be an indicator that there's something going on with your hormones because you should be producing. If you are dry all the time, have your doctor check your estrogen levels. Estrogen is actually what helps us get wet, right? So it controls our vaginal moisture and our vaginal mucus leading up to ovulation. So wash your hands and with clean, dry hands, use your index finger and your middle finger and just dab on the entrance of your vagina. You don't need to insert your finger. This is just dabbing. And then with your thumb, Press together between your three fingers and see what texture is it. This is where the graph on our Instagram page will help you understand exactly how to look at your cervical mucus. And you can start tracking your cervical mucus right after your period. Make sure to check your cervical mucus every day, preferably same time. I say in the morning, um, but just note, on, note it during the day as well. When you're at your wettest, when you have the fertile cervical mucus, you should definitely see it on your underwear. And if you don't, you should definitely show up between your fingers without you inserting your fingers. You should never have to insert your fingers to look for your cervical mucus because it is vaginal discharge. It has been discharged from your vagina. So it should be basically on the outside. Now, what affects your cervical mucus? If you are aroused, you're going to get more wet your cervical mucus might be thrown off. That's not a time to track your cervical mucus because now you've also got your, you know, your juices flowing. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so then is not a time. So if you're going to check your cervical mucus, check it when you are not aroused. And also don't check it when you've just had sex because now there's sperm there. So obviously that's also going to throw off um the texture of your cervical mucus. You won't really have a, a good idea of what it looks like. Medications like antihistamines, these impact your cervical mucus. You won't have a good reading of this. Birth control pill, hormonal contraceptives in general, those affect your cervical mucus. So you may not be able to get a reading on this. Infections will also impact your cervical mucus. Dehydration. If you're trying to conceive, Water should be your best friend, 
especially in the first half of your cycle. Not that there's any other time water should just be your friend, but especially in the first half of your cycle, because if you are dry, if you're dehydrated, the less water you have within you, then your cervical mucus doesn't get that nice stretch to it. And then it's harder for sperm to travel. So even just drinking water is essential. Stress will throw off your cervical mucus. And stress doesn't even have to be emotional. It can be digestive, physical, chemical. Chemical is an example of the antihistamines. So best to do it when you haven't been on medications that can affect your cervical mucus. But it's good to just keep tracking it every single day at the same time. And that's it. That's how you track your cervical mucus to check your fertility. Cervical position. This is even less known than the cervical mucus. Your cervical position actually shifts throughout your cycle. Whether you are at fertile peak or you're in your period, your, your cervical position actually changes and you can track it by yourself. How do you check your cervical position? This is one that will definitely need time for you to get to know and understand. But once you get a hold of the cervical position, you are good to go and you're definitely equipped to check yourself and to understand your fertility. The position of your cervix is important for implantation, for gestation, for labor, and it's influenced by your hormones. This one is one that you need to be consistent with so that you understand where your cervical position is because it's relative. If I say soft, high, hard, low, it's really going to be dependent on what you felt the day before and the day before and day before. So it's something that you, you should definitely practice every day so that you should understand what your low is, what your high, what your hard, what your soft is. And that's how you'll be able to track your own cervical position. How to check your cervical position. This is so easy. It really is easy. What I love about all these methods, they're so easy, but they're so, so important. Right after your period, you can start checking your cervical position. Make sure that it's in an, in an empty bowel. So if you need to go, go first. Empty your bowel. Clean your hands. Always use clean hands every time that you are checking your cervix as well. Just water. Wash your hands with just water. If you have long nails, make sure that you don't hurt yourself, first of all. And secondly, that your nails are clean. Then either squat or do a one-leg heist the way you would if you're putting on a tampon. Look for whichever position is comfortable for you. And then insert your middle finger as far as up you can and see what you feel. What you should feel right after your period is a hard, low, and closed cervix. Pre-ovulation, this is at about day 10 on a 28-day cycle. Find your day. Pre-ovulation, you'll start to feel it get softer. And by ovulation, it should be soft. It should be high. It should be open. And of course, with your cervical mucus, it should be wet. If you're using the cervical position method and the cervical mucus method, then if you insert your finger, then you'll definitely be able to tell exactly what type of cervical mucus you have. And then in your luteal phase, after ovulation has taken place, it goes back to hard, low, and closed. And it's that simple.
checking your cervical position. You should feel this change throughout your cycle. You can start now if you like, or you can start right after your period so that you're able to really gauge what is high and what is low. Never do it on your period, of course. If you have genital sores, if you have an STD, if you have anything going on with your vagina, if you have sores or anything of that nature, this is not a good method for you to use. Only do this after you have cleared up any sores or infections that you might have. And that's it for cervical position. The final one is the basal body temperature. And what basal body temperature is, it means that basically your starting temperature of the day. This one is important. If you do nothing else, do this. If you do none of the other methods, do the basal body temperature. Basal body temperature will tell anybody who is reading your chart, if it's your doctor, your fertility specialist, if I'm working with you, this will tell us so much information about your hormones, about your body, about your fertility. We'll be able to tell from a basal body temperature chart if you're conceiving and just not having implantation. If you are actually not releasing eggs, this is a condition that happens in women, particularly with women with endometriosis. If you have PCOS or having symptoms of PCOS, we can see it on this chart. If you have a luteal phase defect or a short luteal phase, we can see it here. If you have low progesterone, we can see it here. So if you do nothing else, do this basal body temperature. So your basal body temperature is you checking your temperature first thing every morning after sleeping through the night. If you work night shift, may not work for you. So try the other methods because this must be taken or must be done rather after a full night's sleep. You should you need about five to seven hours of sleep before you check your body temperature. If you slept at 3 a.m. and you want to check your temperature at 7 a.m., you're going to have wrong results. With the women that are currently in my 90-day wellness program, they're in the last quarter and we're now working on fertility. So we've been working on the circadian rhythm because we want to retune their rhythm to make sure that they're having a good sleep cycle. And from there, we will build off of that. We've done food, we've done herbal medicines, we've been working through the emotions, the, the psychology of fertility, psychology of hormone balance, the psychology of well-being. And now we're going specifically into fertility so that they can conceive and sustain their pregnancies. There's only one thing that you need for BBT, and that is a thermometer. Digital works best because it gives you a little more accuracy as opposed to the old school ones where you really have to read and it might be off a little bit, but the digital thermometer definitely works best. There are quite a few cheap ones that you can find online for 135, 100 rand. You can definitely find some good cheap ones. And all you need to do is every morning, first thing when you wake up, before you get out of bed, before you pee, before you brush your teeth, before you cuddle up with your partner, check your basal body temperature to sleep with it by your bedside because any movement heats your body up, right? So moment you open your eyes, take the thermometer, put it under your tongue or wherever you feel most comfortable. Make sure that it's the same place every day and check your temperature and chart it. And that's all you need to do. 
Now, there are basal body temperature charts. I will link a few of them down below in the show notes where you can find a good basal body temperature chart that you can download and fill it. There are also apps that you can use. There's My Monthly Cycles, Overgraph, Glow, Kindara, and Flow. I like charts. I like actually filling it in, looking at it. You know, I like something tangible. I'm I'm better that way. So, but find what works for you, what's most convenient for you. And what you'll do is every morning you just record your temperature. And what you should expect to see in a normal chart is that there's two phases, two main phases. So you'll see that in your follicular phase, your temperature will be a little bit lower. And in your luteal phase, you should see a significant change in your body temperature and it should be higher. You're warmer in your luteal phase than in your follicular phase. Reason being is that progesterone is in play and progesterone is what keeps you warm, is what makes your body warm because implantation is dependent on body temperature. If you are having a constantly low body temperature, then implantation might be hard to occur or even fertilization itself might not occur. So you you should see it in two phases, a lower body temperature, first half, and a higher body temperature, second half. Some women experience a drop in temperature when luteinizing hormone is being released. That's not something to freak about. If you see that before you ovulate, your temperature drops down and then starts to spike up again, that's okay. Some women experience that. For you, that should be a good indicator that, hey, LH has been released, so I'm about to ovulate and start having sex. Remember, 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 never keep a lady waiting. The gents must always be lining up. You should only come out when you're primed and prepped and the gentleman must always wait. If you have conceived, you will see this on your chart before you even take a test. This is why I love this method the best. And what this will look like is a third rise. You'll see your follicular phase on one level, then you'll see your luteal phase on one level, and then you'll see a, sh a slight shift upwards as a third level on your chart. And that is an indicator that you probably have conceived and implantation has taken place. If you have a higher temperature for about 18 days, this is from the time you ovulate, that's when you take a pregnancy test. And I hope that you see a positive. I just want to quickly reiterate the advantages of doing this. There's apps and, and kits, ovulation kits and all of that that you can use. And those are great. For example, where an ovulation kit might work better than uh, tracking your body temperature is that the ovulation kit will tell you before you ovulate. Whereas with the basal body temperature, you might only realize that, oh, wait, I had my temperature surge. But if you're tracking your cervical mucus and if you happen to be using your cervical position, then ovulation kit is not as necessary because you would have already known like, oh, I'm reaching my fertile, my fertile phase. So let me start having sex. And by the way, you should have sex anytime. Don't just have sex when you're ovulating. Have sex often. Enjoy it. Um, that's part of boosting your immunity, believe it or not. Yes, orgasms will boost your immunity. And it puts you in a happier mood. And it takes the stress away from trying to conceive. 
So don't just have fertility sex. What I call fertility sex is only having sex during ovulation. Have sex throughout the time. Enjoy it. It's, it's a time to bond with you and your partner. So the advantages of tracking your fertility in this way is that you're more hands-on. You are in control. You're getting to know your body. You're getting to reconnect with your body. You're getting to really understand your body and your cycle. Like I said, the examples that I gave are of a 28-day cycle. But using these methods, you get to understand your cycle. Because if your doctor says, well, um, have sex on day 14 because that's ovulating. But if you've been tracking your body temperature, if you've been tracking your cervical position and your cervical mucus, then you'll know that day 14, they're not the day you ovulate. So you'll be able to say, no, actually my ovulation happens on day 18. And that way you'll be able to be timing your sex. So... What I love about these methods is it puts you back in control of your body and your fertility. And you are going to get to know your body in the most intimate and amazing way. Even that in itself is therapeutic and you get to start to trust your body. And psychologically, you start to relax because you know exactly what's going on. It's not a guessing game. It's not about relying on a technology. It's not about, I don't have money to get this fertility drug. I don't have money to do this procedure. You get to first understand the most basic real-time data on how your body is acting because every day your body is communicating with you. So do try these methods, do follow them, and just listen to what your body is saying. So that's it for today's episode. I hope you found this helpful and I really hope that I get to hear lots of good news from positive pregnancy tests. Stay safe and I'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in today. If you'd like to know more about Woman Wellness, check out our website and all the resources available to you. Just a reminder that all information shared is for education purposes only and must not be substituted for medical attention. That being said, remember that true health starts with what you eat, drink, and how you choose to live life every day. So choose wisely. Subscribe to the podcast and don't forget to rate, review, and share this episode. Until next week, be well.